please take your seats. So, hey, I see Miss Long over there. She's ready to take uh, you kids out for uh, children's worship. So we're uh, up to uh, Numbers chapter 12, looking at uh, this kind of continued series of complaints uh, that is kind of taking hold uh, among the people of God as they're making their way very slowly towards uh, the promised land. And so uh, today we're going to look at chapter 12, and uh, the complaints uh, today are going to come from within Moses' own family. Uh, so, um, in fact, his brother and his sister. And so, um, if you have siblings, uh, this is, uh, this is a great text. Um, and so much in this text, you can, you, when I read this, I just think this, this probably, there's no doubt in my mind that the Bible's true because I, I read things like this, and I think, this is just like my family. So I uh, hope you find yourself in here as well, and also uh, uh, the goodness of God uh, as, uh, as he works uh, through uh, um, broken people like us. So today we're going to look at Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 through 16. That text is in the bulletin and also uh, up on the screens behind me. This is the word of God, and we should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Um, Pretty profound words there. And the Lord heard it. It's funny, the things God hears. Everything. Um, so it's good. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forward. And he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow, and Aaron turned toward Miriam And behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, O my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, O God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days. And after that, she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. 
After that, the people set out from Hatzeroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. So what you see here is, is that um, uh, just a series, as we've looked, from people complaining about food and complaining about how it was better for them in Egypt and complaining about God, complaining, 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 complaining. So now uh, the complaints and the grumbling have come even within uh, the leader's family, right? Now, uh, just so you know, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to, to take into account here because Miriam and Aaron are important people, right? Remember, when, when God delivers the children of Israel, when he carries them through the Red Sea, who's the one who composes the hymn of praise that they sing out there on the banks of the Red Sea? It's Miriam, right? Who's the high priest? Who gets to wear the, the, the fancy clothes and offer all the sacrifices and that kind of stuff? It's Aaron, right? So, so they're important. They matter. They have status. And that's a word we like, right? Status. They got status. They got big status. In fact, next to Moses, they, they're the statiest people we got, right? They're in the status family. They matter. They're important. But they're people. And so they look around and they think, little brother, little brother. Moses is the youngest, right? What's up with that? Siblings, right? And so they begin uh, to complain. It's funny how your relationship with your siblings is, isn't it? It's funny. Maybe you don't have a sibling. Um, you know, uh, my, my parents, my, my brother's four years older than me, and, and they wanted to make sure that they blessed him with a little brother because they didn't think it would be good for him not to have a little brother. So I came along, um, and um, I've been blessing him now for 58 years. <laughs> yes. Um, but it is funny how we kind of view each other in our families. I, uh, several years ago, I was at uh, we were at uh, Marty's uh, grandmother's funeral, and uh, all of her aunts and uncles, all of her uh, dads, brothers, and sisters were all there, and they were in their 60s at this funeral. And it's a funeral, you know. Their mothers died, and I'm not really paying attention to what's going on because there's a lot of talking, and you know, I, I I'm there's just so many words in my life that I can absorb, and so I have to just not absorb some, but I'm not absorbing a lot of words here. And all of a sudden, I notice tension rising in the room, and I notice one of her aunts says to one of her uh, uncles, Mama always liked you better than me. And she's not kidding. Now, they're in their 60s. Mama's dead. She's laying there in the casket. But here they are behaving like 10-year-olds, right, and having a pecking order in and amongst the, the siblings about, you know, who's the favorite and who got the, the, you know, who, who got the best cuts of meat and who got the best table and who got the best Christmas gifts and who got the cutest clothes and all that stuff. I mean, there it is in spades, right? And so, so the fact is, we, if, you, if you have siblings, if you have anything about the, in, in this in your life at all, you can see what's going on here. Especially as an older brother and an older sister look 
and they see their younger brother and their younger sister or younger sibling actually being the chief, the boss, unique, special, gifted. I mean, just imagine what it must have been like, you know, for the the kid that maybe you shared a room with or the kid you played ball with in the backyard. You know, that kid now goes into the tabernacle and speaks to God face to face. And when he comes out, his face is shining because he's reflecting the glory of God. This is the kid you grew up with. Right. I mean, we see this all over in the Bible, right? Because uh, Jesus's um, brothers and sisters thought he was crazy. A prophet's not without honor, except uh, in his own family. Right. So so it's it's we we have this situation, Brian, you can go ahead and put my notes up there where where Moses is is, you know, simply trying to do what God's called him to do. And his brother and his sister began to grumble against him. Now, the first thing that we see is, is that they grumble about his wife and they say, you know, he has this Cushite wife. Well, you know, is that a racial issue? Because she's not Israelite, you know, and so um, but part of the part of the thing that you have to see about that is that that's that's one sentence. We don't like it that you married a Cushite woman. But what we really don't like is that God seems to only speak to you because I am a prophetess and I am the high priest. We are just as important as you are. Now, this is one of the things that's that's interesting about people is right when when especially in families, when uh, when our kids were little, you know, somebody would come home and we'd be sitting at the dinner table and somebody would say, hey, I'm at an A on my spelling test today. And I would be like, that's awesome. You're so smart that you did such a good job. Well, somebody else is sitting at the table and they're like, well, hey, wait a minute. Look over here. You know, I could have punched Jamie in the nose on the playground today and I didn't brag on me. Right. Because if someone else seems to be uh, blessed, if someone else seems to get grace, if someone else seems to be gifted and rewarded, that diminishes me. Right. Right. You know how you know heaven will be heaven. And you know how you'll know you'll be sanctified when you get there and somebody that you haven't liked very much in your church is presented before the throne of God and they get a bigger reward than you do and you're glad. Then you'll know you're sanctified, right? Right. So they can't handle the fact that that Moses has this unique relationship with God. And so they begin to grumble and they begin to try to assert uh, their own uh, position. They're jealous. I think they're also afraid of being overshadowed. We read in chapter 10 where Moses goes to his brother in law and says, hey, will you go with us? You know, the area you you know, the way to the promised land. Why don't why don't you go with us? We, We need you to help guide us. And so, again, I think they feel threatened and they feel like, well, you know, uh, what are we chopped liver? You know, we matter, too. And so it's a it's a it's a and it's a, it's this totally internal family thing that's going on here. So what next slide, please, Brian? So what so 
what are we supposed to do about this? What is Moses supposed to do about it? Um, how does he respond? Well, he doesn't respond. He doesn't say anything. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now, the, the thing that is, is profound about that is, is that, you know, Moses does not defend himself. He does not call them out. He doesn't do anything like that. He doesn't remind them that he's special. He doesn't remind them. He doesn't hatch a plot to put them in a, in a, in a, in a negative light. He doesn't defend himself. He just simply goes on about his business. And, and this is one of the ways, one of the things that is so profound about us is, and one of the things that I think is profound about the meekness and the humility of Moses is, Moses is willing not to defend himself. Now, you might have come here this morning, and you might have heard what Kevin said when he confessed his lack of meekness, and, and your response to that might have been, you know what, I resolved to be meeker. I resolved to be humbler. Except when people speak badly about me, and then I only want to be about 80% meeker and humbler because I want to reserve 20% to retaliate. Right? I want to be meek, but not that meek. Right? So, so what you have to see about this is, is that, that, uh, um, it would be better for us, it would indeed, the pathway to meekness and humility uh, is not to resolve to be like Moses, but to be glad that God provided someone like Moses to mediate between us and God, right? So the Lord doesn't miss anything. He sees what's going on there. He hears and he responds, right? And the Lord responds. It's not unlike being in middle school where you are sitting in your homeroom and suddenly over the intercom, it says, well, Steve Shelby, please come to the office, right? So there in the camp, God says, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, meet me at the door of the tabernacle, right? This can't be good, <laughs> right? This, you know, and, and, and frankly, you know, we don't, we're, we're not told a lot about what's going on in, 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 inside of them, but one of the things that is, is, is clear about this is, is that, uh, uh, Moses may not even know, he may not have even heard, he may not even understand that, that his brother and sister have spoken poorly about him. They simply go. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because they don't go all the way into the tabernacle. The Lord meets them at the door. He meets them at the opening of the tent. And he begins to speak to them. He calls Miriam and Aaron out and he begins to talk to them. Now, one of the things that we read this and for the rest of this text, you may think, wow, God is really harsh. God is really hard on them. But the fact is that the Lord heard them and he stopped this grumbling in its tracks is a mercy because God is loving Miriam and Aaron by not allowing them to wander by not allowing them to, to continue to indulge themselves in their grumbling and their, their turning uh, uh, their backs and their disrespect of Moses. 
Because if God doesn't do something about this, it could be terrible for the people. It could be terrible for for them as they're preparing to go to the promised land. But it would be terrible for Miriam and Aaron because when they say, you know, God likes him better or God speaks to him, who are they ultimately rebelling against? And so God in his mercy says, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to because you are important and because you do matter and because Moses is my man, I'm going to stop this in its tracks. And so he he calls them uh, to to have a direct meeting with him there uh, at the uh, at the tabernacle. What a what a powerful thing. Just imagine, you know, uh, two brothers and a sister standing there at the tent of meeting, and God is addressing them, right? Pretty powerful picture. Um, So God is being gracious and merciful in confronting them and in disciplining them because it's important for them to understand the nature of what it is that they're doing. Yesterday I was texting, talking to my my brother and my sister-in-law a bunch. We were interacting a whole lot. And um, my sister-in-law, who's a little bit older than me, was talking to my brother and, and me, texting us, saying, you boys, you boys need to do this, and you boys need to take care of this, and you boys should be about this, and you boys need to do that. And so I let that go on for a while. <laughs> and I texted back to my brother. I'm like, hey, Brad, just so you know, I don't think you're a boy. Just to let that hang out there, you know, just to kind of let's just see what happens with this. <laughs> you know, just kind of let that go out there. He's 62 and I'm 58. Uh, my mama could say, what are you boys doing? But uh, my sister-in-law can't say that. So I got a long way to go in the meekness uh, thing there, right? Um, it is, it's, it's a fascinating thing, isn't it, right? Because uh, where we stand in our pecking order really, really matters. And yet God comes and says, what is wrong with you, Miriam and Aaron? Moses is unique. He is special. He's the one I speak to face to face. He's the one who sees my form. He, he is, out of all the people on the earth, I interact with him differently than I do with anybody else. And that's my choice. And that's I do that because I do that. Now, we know that Moses himself is not sinless, right? We know that uh, just in the previous chapter, Moses was even crying out to God, like, just kill me now, right? <laughs> do away with me. It's not because Moses is better than everybody else. Uh, Moses is where Moses is because... God cares for him and God elevated him. God put him in that position. And though he is called here the meekest person on the face of the earth, Moses will fail and he won't make it to the promised land either. So it's not because Moses somehow or other is better. It's simply that God in his grace and God in his sovereignty has said, you know, you're the guy. Remember, Moses is a murderer. Right? So, so as we, as we, as we, and he's a coward, right? Um, and so as we, as we, as, as we look at this, don't make the mistake of thinking, wow, Moses is, is somehow or other, you know, there was something, uh, 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 uniquely special about him. God chose him 
God used him. And God worked this meekness in him. I would imagine that the pathway to humility and to meekness is to have regular face-to-face conversations with God, right? Right? So God confronts them, and he's very clear with them. Anytime, you know, God comes to you and says, you know, I don't understand why you were, or you were not afraid to speak against my servant Moses. And that's his last word, and he departs. Well, there they are. There's Aaron and Miriam standing there. What do they say to that? And Aaron turns to look at Miriam, and suddenly she's coated in leprosy. It's a terrifying, terrible uh, situation, Uh, maybe even a death sentence, right? And so Aaron is overwhelmed with what happens there, and what does he do? Next slide, please, Brian. Um, He doesn't go to God. What does he do? He says to Moses, Oh, my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, Oh, God, please heal her, please. Now, here's the thing that you have to see about this is, and the thing that is, that's, that's profound about that is, we, Aaron and Miriam needed a mediator. They needed someone to advocate for them. They needed someone to pray for them. And notice, notice what, what he says here, right? Do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. What's Aaron's prayer? Aaron's prayer is, please don't hold our sin against us. We sinned. We know it. Please be merciful. Please be gracious. Would you stand in the gap for us? Would you mediate for us? Would you, would you cry out to God for us for mercy? You see, and that is the great thing that we see. This is the great thing that you should see about having a mediator. The best news for you today is not that you can resolve to be meeker. The best news for you today is not that you can suddenly become humbler. The best news for you today is none of that. The best news for you today is that you have a mediator in Jesus Christ who stands before the Father, who pleads your case, who says, please, I died for that one. They belong to me. Who stands before the Father and takes upon himself the cost of your rebellion of your turning away, and he never turns away. He stands in the gap, representing you, representing God, pouring out mercy for you. And see, the great thing about the mediator that we have in Jesus Christ is he never stops. He never quits. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't turn away from you. He is consistently and constantly mediating for us. And let me explain to you why this is such good news. Now, it may strike you as offensive. Wait, I can go to God anytime I want to. Wait, there's, you know, listen, there's, there's nothing to keep me from, from doing that. Well, what the Bible tells us is, is that our sin and our rebellion keeps us, separates us from God. That's why God puts Miriam outside the camp just for a week so she will have a sense and an understanding that her rebellion and her sin left to herself would permanently separate her from God and from his people. 
And so what happens here is, and, and what we what we have to see about this is, is that what Jesus does for us is he never stops mediating. He never turns away. He continues to plead our case. The, the wounds in his body, the, the work that he does, still pleads for us all the time. We have a perfect mediator. And if you would rather be your own mediator, if you would rather depend on your access to God based on your performance, you have a poor mediator. You need a better one. You need one who's perfect and who can mediate, who can intercede on your behalf perfectly. Now, there's one other uh, evidence of God's mercy in this, and it's uh, you may have missed it. It's in verse 16. After that, the people set out. After that, the people set out. So after all this happens, after all the complaining, after all the, you know, we don't like the food, we don't like, uh, we don't like Moses, we don't like any of this stuff. After all of this, what happens? The sun comes up the next day, they break camp, and they move towards the promised land. After that. After that. After that. That's a great thing. Um, because some of you today have a big that whatever that was, right? Some of us today have a giant that, that if left to uh, uh, ourselves and left uh, to our own devices uh, would end in disaster. But because we have a mediator in Jesus Christ, because we have a God who loves us, who pursues us and never stops, never stops, never stops, we have an after that. God is faithful and he continues. Now, are they going to get up and as they get ready to go uh, into the wilderness of Paran, are they going to say, wow, did you see what happened to Miriam? <laughs> wow, did you see what happened with Aaron? Yeah, they will. But there's another day because this God won't quit. He won't give up. He continues to pursue. He continues to pursue not only his people, but his purpose of providing for them a promised land, a future, and a hope. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover...